I love that song. That's from the Newsboys. If you know anything about the Newsboys, um, they do amazing music, and it really speaks to the heart, and it really speaks to what I'm going to talk about, this, share with you the next few moments. You know, I love that song because when I heard it on Thursday when I was preparing for the message, it made me almost cry, you know, because there was something that happened to me back in, night in 2001. I transitioned out the military, and one thing about my life in the military I loved it because I was doing something that's beyond myself. I was doing stuff extraordinary. We would go somewhere and do something way above my, my head, but I was able to get trained and be able to do that. I made a life that counted. I felt like when we did anything, we counted. We made changes. And then when I retired, it seemed like I went from extraordinary to just ordinary until I saw and I came to this church. And I said, that's the mission. That is above what I even think about, what I even dream about. And that just resonates with me. Because walking with Jesus, get, look at this, walking with Jesus is an extraordinary event. It's not an ordinary thing. And changing the world is an extraordinary thing. It's a mission that's always going on that Jesus has called us to do. And when I got plugged into that mission, my life started to make since it started to count because you were, say, you were born to do this type of thing. I wasn't born to just come to church and sit. I was born again and witnessed Christ to anybody and everybody I could. And it was amazing. And when you read that, you hear that song. When we go to movies, we love the action. Because like, that's me. I wish I could be like that. And you can every single day giving your life and living for Jesus. It's amazing. Don't ever sell yourself short when you're walking with Jesus. We're going to finish today with our first series we did first thoughts. We did first devotion. Today is called first. The first one I talked about how God knows all about, he cares about our life. He cares about our lifestyle. And he cares about our future. Pastor Dan did an amazing job last week and said, God, I have to give you my time, my money, and most of all, my emotions. And today I'm going to go ahead and talk about being first and see what that means when we talk about Matthew 6, 33. Seek thee first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. And I'm going to give you a practical, because that's the way Jesus, when he came into town, he was expecting some things. Can I give you a, 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 a hint? Being a Christian is not for the mild-mannered. You know what I mean? You think Schwarzenegger's tough? Jesus is a whole lot tougher, and so are you. We don't have to have an action movie. It takes, it, takes, it takes some courage and guts to share your faith, and the world saying that is, doesn't work. So it's not one of those anybody can get in type thing. We're going to see something in Scripture. It seemed like Jesus was trying to talk these guys out of it because he said there's something you got to recognize. You got to pay the price. You got to count the cost of everything you do. So we're going to share some, I'm going to say some time. We're going to go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, starting in verse 57 through 62. And it's an amazing morning. We have our kids down there doing the heroes of faith. And because they learn about Bible heroes and all our heroes who are teaching them. You see them in the funny get-ups and everything? Take pictures of them because they took did a lot of work down there. And I uh, had the baby dedication with our amazing heroes here. And um, they told me we have 
a commander here this morning, a Lieutenant Colonel Jackson, right? And that's right. Ma'am, welcome. Thank you so much for coming out. I always respect to our, our, our military commanders. They're amazing. They got a hard work. They got a lot hard work, hard job to do. Come on, give them a hand. That's it. So, so Luke chapter nine verses fifty-seven and sixty-two. It's also the same stories in Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. And this is Jesus, because he was going to the other side. And when you hear about Matthew, they were heading somewhere, heading somewhere. Jesus was on the road, on the move. He says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Go proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my house, at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, in these moments that we have, Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to each and every one of our hearts to know, God, that we can make a difference. We can change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You see this encounter with Jesus. He's going on the way. In Luke chapter 9, a lot of things happened. A lot of miracles broke out. He fed 5,000, did a lot of things. And the first, before you get to that scripture there, he wanted to go into a city. They kind of rejected him when he wanted to go into Samaria. And these guys named James and John, they called them the sons of thunder. Since they wouldn't let him in their hometown, they said, God, can we, Jesus, can we call out fire from heaven and blow these cats up? He rebuked them. No, you can't take B1s and fly over and bomb the house. Okay? So, and he come here and it seemed like to me reading this, and Jesus was amazing at doing this, that he will seem like he was trying to talk them out of it. Because they were pretty excited. I'll follow you because all the miracles. And he came up with some things. He kind of set the bar kind of high. He didn't say, come on, I need you. I'm dying here without you. He kind of put on that, you need to count some things before you say you're going to follow me. The big word a lot of people do not like, commitment. It's killing us in America today. We have a known um, business here that employs a lot of people. And I talked to some of the supervisors. They say spend time training people, get them ready. And the people work for about maybe two or three months and quit. And their first things out of their mouth is they said, this is not what I expected. And they're like, we laid it out for you. What do you mean? They're saying, we're dying. There's jobs, but we're dying because we don't have people who are committed. Commitment. And Jesus is saying here in the scripture, it's about commitment. Now, there's a difference between commitment and interest. When you're interested in something, you like the excitement of it. Until it becomes hard, then you walk away from it. But when you're committed to something, it doesn't matter if it's hard 
So whatever it is, you're going to see it through. This old saying they tell us with me and Miss Donna, or me and myself, they say, you're a lifer. I was a lifer in the military because I was going to stay in forever until they said I was too old and they kicked me out. But it was about committing. And I remember when things got tough, and I'm not going to say, I think that was after the, after the 80s. That was after 60 Minutes came and visited the military. We worked 12 hours. And I would hear, I didn't sign for this. I thought I was going to get an education. I don't know, that oath didn't say that. It didn't say how you have an ed- education. So you will defend, you will protect, so help you God. Now get back to work. Because they didn't count the costs. A lot of times we don't count the costs. Marriage today, we don't count the costs. We do contracts, we do prenups. And I remember growing up, my father, you know, old school, when someone shook your hand, looked in your eyes, that was a deal. It was made. We're committed. We're going to do this until the very end. Now, well, I didn't really mean that. And, you, you know, my dad taught me how to, how to uh, make sure you get the right person because they don't shake your hand. They do this. Don't do that, man. He said, dad, he say, Rich, get away from that. They're not committed. They don't look you in the eyes. They're not committed. Because the first thing that gets bad, when the going gets tough, we get going. And in the church of Jesus Christ, this is what he's talking about. Guys, the very first one. Guys, this is, this is a, there's a bar to be set. You just don't walk in with your club card and pay 20 bucks. You got to give your life away. You got to surrender your life. Because here the thing is, you can't just do the, go into serving Christ and following Christ by just saying it. You have to surrender because surrender always precedes commitment. Surrender always precedes commitment. And our lives will not make a difference unless we pay the price. Three things when you look at this. Putting Christ first in our lives lead to three things. It's going to be uncomfortable. A sacrifice, the third thing is, you got to be resolute. Let's look at the first one, uncomfortable. That's verses 57 and 58. This is actually a scribe, a, 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 a man who uh, wrote, who, uh, who studied the word and wrote some of the scriptures, helped write some of the scriptures in those days. And he was, he was excited. You know, emotion without commitment won't get you far. I'll follow you. And he was resolute. I'm going to follow you everywhere you go, man. I'm with you, Jesus. That's fine. Okay. And then Jesus gave him an answer. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And it doesn't say anything after that. It doesn't say he said yes. I think his enthusiasm turned off. And he said, oh, this is tough. Sometimes we tell people, you, you, you follow Christ, get in the church, life is going to be good. And then we try to spend our whole time on earth trying to keep, make ourselves comfortable when he calls us to be uncomfortable. <laughs> because you realize 
this is not my final place. I'm here for a time to make a difference, but I'm going, I'm going to go see him at the end of these days. I can't take nothing with me. He got a joke. You know, I can't even take my hair with me. Got nowhere to lay his head. Got quiet. What Jesus was saying, this takes no kidding commitment and surrender. We have a, um, a guy in our ministry called Rice Brooks. And he's an evangelist. He has a way of um, <laughs> getting people to come to Jesus. He'll make a call. People come up front. And someone says, do I have to give up my smoking and my cigarettes? And I have to give up drinking and cutting out? And do I have to? Do I have to? Do I have to? And he said, he'll go like this. No, you're not ready. Go on back. Because when you come up, you want to. You can't wait to get this off you. See, I'm telling you, being a Christian is not for the mild-mannered. You're talking about the Green Berets? Yes, we are. Somehow we sell it because we watch a picture of Jesus petting sheep. How would you like to preach a sermon, someone really cares what you say, the other ones are hanging with you because you're going to give them something, and then you got the other one, your family who wants to take you out, and you got the ones who are sitting here want to kill you. What an audience. And you got to be strong and, well, hey, I hope you don't deal with self-esteem issues. <laughs> See, I don't know. Guys, being a Christian, <laughs> you got to have it together, man. You got you to be strong. It's not, look, well, you know, no, I'm serious. We, we're going to make some changes. We got to be resolute. We got to be on it. He's saying that. It's going to be uncomfortable. People are not going to like you. And don't think like you fit. You don't. See, it's a cost. You probably never heard this. We're coming to Jesus. It's going to be fun. I'm telling you, no. When you come to Jesus, because what happens is, in the very, in the, when you're without Christ, you're just doing anything you want to do. Then you give your life to Christ. You have a new nature that rises up in you. Now you're conflicted when you walk out the door. I don't like doing what I used to do. Now, yeah, now life gets tough. Because he's, he's, he's perfecting you on the way. And perfection, perfecting does not, is not easy. Because you want to be you. And he wants you to be like him. And we can't lower our, bring him down to our level. That's a tough thing. It's amazing. So it's uncomfortable. Dietrich um, Bonhoeffer says this. The first call every Christian experiences is the call to abandon the attachments of the world. That's in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. Amazing. This man was a prisoner of war. It's amazing for him to write this. Second thing, and I like it on here, discipleship is not subjective. It's not subjective. You can't crack, well, God, I'll follow you this way. I'll do it. Feel, I mean, I don't feel like going here, so let me do it tomorrow. No, 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 no. You surrender, and he'll take you. You know, a message like this can be very, I've struggled with it because it can seem like it's so much work. I'm making you want to do, do something, do something. And all Christ asks us to do is surrender. Because it's total surrender. You can't, it's not subjective that you can tell God hey, in prayer, hey, I'm just going to go down here and you bless this. No, 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 no. It's a whole lot different. Discipleship costs. It costs your life. It costs you everything. 
But here's the thing. The gain is so much more. So it's uncomfortable. Second one, it's a sacrifice, which means total abandonment on everything. You totally abandon everything. Christ, when he came up to him in 59 and 60, Christ called him. And what an honor to be called by God. A lot of times if you give your life to Christ, Christ, you didn't do it. He called you up. It's an honor. Follow me. But I said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. This is a hard saying. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He doesn't love family? No. It's two things. I'm not going to tell you the second one because it's, it's, um, it's such a long story. But this one, a lot of the writers say this. Jesus knew that this guy's dad did not die. He was just going to go home and wait for him to die. And it was honorable because as a son, you wait and you take care of your dad if he dies. And there's some things that you do afterwards. And he saw if you went home, you're not coming back. And he was asked when he said, let the dead, he said, let those who don't know Jesus bury their own. He said, here's the most important thing, proclaim the kingdom of God, which means preach the kingdom of God. Can I help you with the word preach? A lot of people say, I want to preach the kingdom of God. I want to preach the gospel. They look at where I'm at. That's not necessarily so. That word means talk, speak in Starbucks. At your workplace, just speak about Christ. That's proclaiming him, and that's what he's saying. That's more important. Go follow me right now and proclaim the gospel. It's amazing. One of the number one um, reading online since I've only been in this job, I guess, eight, 19 months? 19 months. I read about pastors. It said... Um, after about two or three years, they want to, three years, they want to quit. reason why they want to quit is because uh, people are apathetic. No one's excited anymore about serving God because they're so busy trying to keep their own lives together, they don't care about what's going on. When you work for other people or you're serving other people, your life is exciting every day. But if you're just serving yourself and that's it, I mean, life gets kind of boring. Even this can become boring. Three songs, I mean, four songs in a, pre, in a sermon, then you go home and have a meal. And it's what it is, it's saying because of this moment here. No one wants to proclaim anymore. Everyone want to keep this piece of the rock. And the reason why we have unbelievers and atheists because they don't see what the Bible says. Not condemning anybody, but they read it and say, okay, they should be claiming their faith. They should love, be proud of their faith that they're defending it, they're saying anything about it. How come you don't know anything about it? Well, that's the pastor's job. Not necessarily when you're making disciples. It's everyone's job. That's what makes it fun. Because people will be transformed by Christ and you can't take credit for it. Because it wasn't your great personality. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I got one amen. I'm quitting. I'm gone. Anyway, okay. <laughs> no, I love it because I'm doing something way above my own ability, man. And when you get a hold of that, you're like, God, you're so awesome. You picked me to do this? I wouldn't be, you know. And I have to look in the Bible. We picked Peter to do stuff. And who would pick Peter? You leaders in the room, y'all wouldn't have picked Peter. 
No one would have picked Peter, right? Peter, he's not organized. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's not anointed. Get him out of here. And, and Jesus picked him. Then he picked a thief that was stealing out the, um, the kitty. Judas was a thief. It says so. He was stealing, out, stealing the kitty. Didn't we have $100 in there? Yeah, we did. I just bought a new suit. You know? <laughs> These are the world changers. And all they did is that, verbally and non-verbally. But God calls us to be verbal. Colossians 1.18 says this, And he is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And preeminent is a fancy word for first place. He should be first place in our lives. And really, he should be the center of our life not just first place. Last thing is, resolute. I love this word. Verses 61 to 62. It means undivided, had a focus that was amazing. Verses 61 to 62. And yet he said, I will follow you, Lord. Let me first say farewell to those at my home. Verse 62. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back as fit for the kingdom of God, because as you keep looking back, you're actually escaping the present and the future. And that's what he's saying. And he got a story. He, he, he said this because there was a man in 1 Kings 19 named Elisha. And Elijah was his, was his mentor, I would say. And Elijah, God told Elijah, anoint Elisha to take your work. So he came to Elisha, and he um, took what they call a mantle and threw it at his feet. And Elisha said, can I go first and kiss my mom and dad? Now, you got to know, Elisha was a rich guy. He had, when, you have, when you have 12 yoke of oxen, which is 24, you're a rich man. And he was out in the field plowing. And Elijah, Elijah said to him, go back then. What have I done for you? And when, it, when people misread that, it really meant this. I didn't call you, Elisha. God called you. So go back. But I'll see you in a little while, basically. Because now you've got to deal with God, not me. The call. He called you. He just used my, me as a mouthpiece. And he went back. So he wouldn't go back. He went back. And he took what he was using to plow, which was his sustenance, which was his income. And he broke. It must have, he had amazing, let me put it this way. He broke up the yoke. He burned those yokes. He cooked the animals. Had an amazing Texas barbecue. Amen. Come on, man. I got some amens. I got, you give me amens, I'll go four hours. Thank you. Come on, going four hours. <laughs> Guys, I'm, here. I'm, I'm not going to rush because of the fact our kids said they needed five extra minutes. Is that okay? Our children, they're back there having a lot of candy. You can get to take them home afterwards. But because um, <laughs> they're not staying here. Anyway, <laughs> okay, come back to me now. <laughs> okay. And cooked the. Um, and fed his servants. 
and he went, said he went and assisted Elisha. Elijah. Now, Elijah was a rough guy. He, I mean, my dad, you coming or not coming? Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was no info, you know. And so he, but what he did, he went back and burned it. He burned the past up so he only knew he had a present and a future. He went back so he didn't have to go back or look back. And that's what it is about discipleship. You burn the past. God already gives you something. You're already brand new. But you don't go back to the past trying to live the past and move it to the future. It's done. But what they call is, we always call it, he burned the bridges to the past. He burned the exit ramp out. There's no going back if it gets tough. I have nothing left. When you step out with God, there is nothing that you can do to go back. There's nothing there. Either you're going to be labeled a heretic or a successful. Because there's nothing. To, if this doesn't work, our marriages will fail. If this doesn't work, I'm getting thrown out of my house. If this doesn't work, nothing. You're on the edge. And that's the greatest thing because it's the most exciting thing to watch transformation take place. Here's the thing. In a lot of places, we want to embrace Jesus versus surrender to Jesus. When I embrace somebody, I'm, going, I can, I'm out of it. When I surrender to somebody, it's for life. You're a lifer. And that's what makes it exciting. How many have ever seen a first responder who's shaky? We call them heroes because they are, it doesn't matter how I'm resolute. I'm not looking back. I don't even if I got hurt that last time. I'm going back out there again. That's what I love about the movie. Uh, uh, oh, man. Something down. What's the name of that? Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk down. They go through all that. They get back, and the guy says, what are you going to do? Going back out. Why? People won't understand, man. This is my life. Yeah, I got hurt. Yeah, I'm bruised. I got cuts. Yeah, it didn't make, I didn't do well that time. What are you going to do, Rich? Going back out. It's not for sissies. I'm sorry, but it's not for sissies. See, we want to use Jesus to get better. And when you want to use Jesus to get better, you spend all your life trying to get better versus surrender to Jesus and be transformed. Think about it. I want to get better. No, you want to be transformed. And when they see transformed people, then the world will change. But they want to see people trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. You're trying to get better. Your religion's great. You're great because we're all getting better. No. Difference with us, we're transformed. And we have the power of God residing in each and every one of us to bring change and make change. And we're not afraid and we got courage. That's what it's about. That's what makes it exciting because it's none of me. It's all of him. And once you get that, it's hard to lose. Like I said, once a soldier, always a soldier. I'm always looking for a fight. Let's do something. Because you don't lose it. Now they had to transform me into a military man because I was a wreck. First six months, I said, this boy needs to get out because this New Yorker is crazy. But now I found someone who says, I'll take care of you, discipleship. It's transformed. And that is the difference. So when I see about abandon, I cry a tear because I know there's something greater for us to do. 
When I see a plane fly or a B-1 or a F-16, I cry because that is the sound of freedom. It's in me. Because as a disciple, it's in you, not trying to get better. I'm, I'm transformed. I don't know how to do anything else. See, it's more than just coming to church, man. It's about being enthusiastic. What is that? Full of God. Even when you don't feel like you're full of God, you have no choice if you're full of God. And we have hope for those who don't have hope. But it's not about us just embracing Jesus. It's about surrendering to Jesus. Because am I going to believe Jesus or am I just going to embrace him? Do we believe the Bible? And surrender always precedes commitment. Here's my heart. When you talk about surrendering, it's surrendering who you are with a higher call. If I don't surrender, I label myself trying to play this and do that. And then I'm just in the middle of doing nothing. But the way everything is going today, guys, listen to me. You can't, there's no way you can straddle the fence. Things are happening so fast that it's making us have to make a decision. Because people ask you, what is your opinion on this? And I have to give them what Christ told me to say. And I'm going to take whatever they're going to give. Because that's where we're going nowadays. And you know what? It's the most exciting days. Because no one can hide anymore. Because one thing about pressure or crisis it makes you make a decision. <laughs> you got to make a decision. I'm either in this thing or I'm not in this thing. You have to make, you can't straddle the fence anymore. And God never desired us to straddle the fence. Besides to be all in. That means surrender who you are, your career, Everything. And guess what? He'll resurrect your career in a different way. And you'll be surprised where you wind up. In fact, you'll wind up where he wrote in the book, years before you were even thought of. <laughs> and you'll say, what an amazing God we serve. So everything you're doing, the job you don't like, <laughs> can I give you a hint? You're the only one that can do it. That's why God put you there. It's like, oh, can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> so don't be trying to put in a transfer. Because he'll transfer you to somewhere even worse. Because you never, you know, you don't pass the test, you just keep taking it until you pass. So you know them people down there treat me bad? Now wait till you get to this one. Let the games begin. <laughs> never went to a perfect place. It's like, this is bad, that's bad. I'm like, you're all fired. So you can't beat John Maxwell. You have to raise him up. So, okay, Lord, 
Thank you. And it challenged me, and everything I'm doing is a challenge. This is way over my head, but not over Jesus' head. That's why it's so exciting. Why don't we all stand? How about you? Are you embracing or are you just committing? Or are you committing? Do you commit or do you just embrace? Being again, being a Christian, it's probably a message you've never heard of. This is not for the mild-mannered. And don't look at half those signs that say, we're so weak. Yeah, we need a crutch because our crutch is Christ. But I tell you what, we got the best engine going. Because there's nothing else to do. There really isn't nothing else to do except change our world, change our campus, change our base, change all our workplaces, one person, one family at a time. By reaching people and building community. There's nothing else to do. There really isn't. And there's no other way to do it except he uses us. So if you're looking for the Calvary, say, I'm it. You're it. (laughs) I want change. There you go. You're the one. Yeah, CEO. And that's what it's about. Every eye closed, every head down. Ask the Lord. It's up to you. God, have I surrendered? Or have I just embraced him? Am I afraid to be looked out and people might call me a, a freak? Or am I doing this for your glory? When people see me, do they see Christ in me? That's the question I'm going to leave you with. Because only you can give the right answer. I can't even talk you into this. You have to listen to Jesus and surrender your life. If you gave your life before, you got to re-surrender. Say, God, I want to be in the right where you've taken me and not be afraid. Is it scary? Yes. That's why we do it together as family. That's why we have a church. We all have insecurities, but we all have Christ. Father, I thank you this morning.